Hi, and welcome to the 61st Womanthology Podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton, and I'll be your host. Womanthology is a digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas, and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. Ahead of this year's International Women in Engineering Day, I'll be chatting with Dawn Bonfield, Royal Society Entrepreneur in Residence at King's College London and Royal Academy of Engineering Visiting Professor at Aston University. Dawn's also the UK representative for the World Federation of Engineering Organisations and founder of the inclusivity consultancy Towards Vision. Inesh Santos is away, so I'll be talking you through the new content and the written issue again on her behalf. A quick reminder that you sign up for the Womanthology newsletter by filling in your details on the front page of our website. That's womanthology.co.uk. You can also join our LinkedIn community by visiting linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash womanthology and find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So welcome to the Womanthology podcast. We have Dawn Bonfield, longtime friend of Womanthology. How are you, Dawn? How are you doing? Very good. Very, very good indeed, actually. And it's good to see you. Yes, we have known each other for a long time now. Well, we shall go yeah. into that. But you've been involved in womanthology right from the very start. And remind me, Jordan, what is your title nowadays? I've got to get this right. I've got to respect your authority. <laughs> so I am Royal Academy of Engineering Visiting Professor at Aston University. And I am Royal Society Entrepreneur in Residence at King's College London. And they're my two academic titles, I guess. And then I've got a consultancy called Towards Vision, where I'm generally God's body and everything else that I do in the rest of my time. Well, I'm not worthy, but I shall try and be worthy today. So we'll catch up. <laughs> we'll find out what you've been up to. So you've taken part in Womanthology. So you were in the very first issue. Mm. Not many I people can say that. That's taking us back to 2014 now. But what we'll do is in the show notes, we will link to our previous conversations as well, so people can catch up on those. But we're going to have a conversation today. We're going to find out what you've been up to ahead of International Women in Engineering Day, very excitingly as well. So looking forward to chatting. So Dawn, I'm going to go straight in. Could you give us a bit of a recap of your educational background, career today? I always say this, so who is Dawn Bonfield in a deep sort of, uh, it can be as, as deep as psychological as you want or not? So my background is materials engineering and I yeah, as a material scientist. I have got a background in aerospace composite materials and closer to now though, I came out of the engineering sector properly and went into charity management. If you remember, I ran the Women's Engineering Society for a few years. And that was more around getting more gender diversity in engineering. And then I've moved on from that really to looking at a different topic, which is around similar but different called inclusive engineering outcomes. So my time now, I guess, is spent around looking at inclusion, inclusive outcomes for engineering products, services, solutions. And I'll tell you more about that if you want me to in a minute. But I am increasingly involved in education, I guess, and how we educate our future engineers around sustainable development and climate change. So I'm involved in quite a number of international organisations and we're really looking at how we get engineers to address these sustainable development goals. 
that's a quick history. Fabulous. So a typical day in the life with these different roles, what would a typical sort of day be? And I appreciate, I always ask people this and they go, there's no typical day. Every day is different. But the types of things you might be doing, if we were trying to imagine you either out and about or at your desk, what would we be imagining you doing? Well, I have the most amazing desk at King's College London and one at Aston University as well. But my desk at King's College London is fabulous and it looks out on the Strand and it's full of the sustainable development goals all around the walls and I love it I just love it in there and a day at King's is looking at teaching engineering but I teach entrepreneurship skills at King's so it's trying to empower engineers if you like with the confidence and the competence to know that they are the change makers of the future and they can use their engineering skills in an entrepreneurial or an entrepreneurial way and be the future engineers who are bringing their technical skills and talent to solving those sustainable development and climate change problems that we've got. So at King's, what I do is I teach part of the time there, teach entrepreneurship and also run a competition there called Engineers in Business Competition. So it's a a gateway into getting engineers to come up with these innovative ideas around the solutions that we'll need for sustainable development and then allowing them to understand the process, if you like, and the language that's involved in becoming an entrepreneur. Because although it's very similar in terms of skills to engineering, it's all problem solving and validation of an idea and getting a product, that a minimum viable product, if you like. Lots of the other skills around pitching and finance and commercialization, they're not necessarily core skills in engineering, but in fact, employers really value those skills in their new graduates so it's helping empower those those engineers really with the confidence as well to know that they can be the change makers of the future and they are the ones that will bring in this new knowledge into our engineering sector and say do you know what why are we doing things that way why are we building this big new build when we could be refurbishing that building or we could be using these renewable materials and we should be using these renewable materials in these different ways of construction that involve less waste and we're thinking about where our materials come from where they end up at the end of their life so getting engineers to think in systems if you like and systems thinking in engineering is a big skill that our engineers need to have because problems are very complex these days they involve lots of different components and the days of doing things simply without having to worry necessarily about whether you've got an ethical product or whether you are using resources that aren't sustainable which we have done in the past we do not have the luxury of doing that in the future so it's getting us to understand the whole life cycle of our engineering and where it fits in so that's a day at king's and then beyond king's i'm one of those people that says yes too often really um, So the rest of the time is involved with lots of different committees, steering groups, international organisations. And so it's a little bit of constant firefighting to keep up with all of those different areas, really, the rest of the time. But I have the most privileged life of being involved in so many different areas. Engineering really does give you the opportunity for that breadth, really. So, yeah, I love what I'm doing at the moment. I'm very happy. 
Well, I think you're such an amazing ambassador for engineering in general. But I think having known you for as many years as I've known you for, you are a really generous person as well. So you're connecting people and you're bringing people in. But I think your enthusiasm is magnetic and it's like, oh, Dawn's asked me about this. And, you you, you know, people can't say no to you, Dawn. That's what it is. Well, perhaps I should ask more often then. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And it was interesting when you were talking. So this is taking me back to my background is entrepreneurship versus intrapreneurship. So a lot of people think of entrepreneurship. It's I think it's that French for thinks of things, does them. Probably somebody will be able to define that better than I can. But entrepreneurship is interesting because that's actually essentially entrepreneurship. But in an organization, you can still be entrepreneurial or intrapreneurial, do all those things. But you can be working for somebody else. A lot of people think, you know, entrepreneur, startup, that kind of thing. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. And and I think that puts a lot of engineers off because generally their personality types aren't necessarily what we think of as an entrepreneur, which is a little bit brash and overly confident and, you know, likes the commercial and the money side of things. I think engineers like the problem solving side of things. So it's, yeah, bringing those two sides together and, and showing how overlapping they actually are in terms of the skills that they're needed. And all engineers need to be able to explain or pitch, if you like, their ideas in a way that is accessible to people, because that sets the, the science back years and years. So if we, we can't risk doing the same with climate change and climate change solutions, because you know we have an imperative to address those immediately. So yeah, that's where the real challenge lies. And I think the innovation is quite interesting. So you're an innovative person anyway, but also it can be as well as the technical innovations. It can also be the innovation of the business models as well. Engineering is all about people and people have to agree with and buy into what those solutions are, especially when we're making really difficult solutions around climate change and sustainability. You know, some of those solutions will involve changes of lifestyle from what we've been used to. And so we as engineers have to be in a position to be able to explain that well. And if you look back at some of the times when we've not done that very well as scientists or engineers, like with genetic modification of crops, for example, where the public weren't brought along, you can see that sets the science back years and years. So I remember years ago, I was doing one of my marketing exams and there was a case study of a company, I think it was called Interface and it's carpet company. And instead of selling people carpets, so they wanted this kind of closed loop recycling, they were renting the carpets out. So you would have the carpet, you would rent it, and then at the end of the life, you give it back. And it's it's disposed exactly. of sustainably or it's recycled, whatever. Exactly. That's exactly the case, isn't it? We need to come at this from different solutions. And where we've had in the past a, a mindset of ownership, now it's much more sustainable if we're into sharing and it reminds me of my shed at home and how full it is of junk that we need once in a blue moon. Why don't we all share those things and just use them, borrow each other's when we need them instead of owning them? So it's the same in engineering. There are lots of new ideas that are coming along now. Car shares and Rolls Royce were the famous ones that instead of selling engines, they sold power by the hour, didn't they? And that was new thinking at the time that came along so those types of service models are definitely new ways of doing business that we also need to bring into the mix so knowing those commercialization skills as well as the technical skills is really important now because of the rise of programs like the repair shop and things like this near me there's some engineers that are working in the community and there's a repair 
project. So literally, I think it's a pop-up and you come along at a certain time, you bring your broken sewing machine or your broken drill and they mend it. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's a big campaign that's run by Mark Miodovnich at UCL called The Right to Repair. And it's really trying to change legislation so that we can get into the back of our appliances and take the backs off and interchange parts and having that modularity of parts. And also that will allow us to recycle things better as well so that we're not just throwing the whole thing away because that appliance will have lots of really valuable critical resources in there that we need to be able to recycle and get at easily. So buying things that are better quality in the first place that can be repaired and then allowing manufacturers to know how to disassemble things and change things around easily with standard parts is also part of the design process. So designing that modularity and that repairability in right from the very start is a way of thinking for engineers. Do you remember there was a washing machine brand, I think it's called Mealy, they're quite expensive, but they were designed to last for years and years and years. So I remember somebody had had one for like about 25 years or something, and this was going back before all of this had happened. I think you paid more at the start, but then if it lasts you 25 years. Yeah, that's right. And funnily enough, they, that links to this project that I'm doing for next year, which is the centenary of the Electrical Association for Women. I don't know if this is a good time to tell you about it. but Please um, do. You're a great guest because you're just taking me into the next question. So it's perfect. <laughs> Once I get started, there's no stopping. So it's the Centenary of the Electrical Association for Women, which was a spin out of the Women's Engineering Society. And they were interested in helping women use electricity in the home to escape the drudgery of the everyday chores that women had to do that took them such a long time. And then when women could use those electrical appliances, then that freed up their time to go into the labour market. So it was a real pivotal organisation that enabled social change to happen. So we're looking at the history and celebrating the way that that has been so instrumental and technology has been instrumental in women's lives. But one of the things that women did at that time was look at the appliances they used and their voice was very important with the appliance manufacturers in terms of the safety. If you look at the all-electric house that was built in Bristol, that's a real model of a great design that was designed around the needs of women, it was, who used those appliances. Now it's not just women, it's men and women, but that user voice was really key. And I think in some ways we've almost moved away from that time where the user gets to have a say and with technology it's very easy to keep building in more and more and more technology into appliances and the user doesn't necessarily want or need that level of sophistication and I know from personal experience I've got a washing machine that's got blinking a million settings and I use one setting and to try and get it on I needed to call some repair person out for me to even switch it on and I just think why are we making things that are so complicated when people don't necessarily need that and it's also building in a lot more complication and a lot more expense and less repairability into things like car engines we used to be able to fix our car engines but then nowadays with the digitization of cars it's almost impossible to fix them so I think you're right going back to that user voice in appliances is something that we need to bring in again and this whole campaign it happens next year so 2024 it's called electric dreams a festival of woman power 
So I love that song as well. It's a really good song. I know. We all got together. We need to get it relaunched or something with slightly different words. I don't know, but we've got loads of great plans for it. So, so that's really exciting to be involved in. I was going to sing the song, but I'm not going to sing it because there's probably a copyright issue. And if anything is going to make people switch off this podcast, it's me singing. So I shall just not do that at all. <laughs> in our heads now, though, isn't it? Going yeah. our heads all over. Gonna be together. Oh, well. oh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose with the technology point, it's interesting because there's some things that you just want to be able to use and you will use certain aspects of them. Some it's quite helpful where there'll be something extra that you can add on so say like your Alexa skills or something like that I've realized now that from my phone I can switch on the light so if I'm Mm. out and I want to switch it on at the right time I can now do that from a phone which is quite handy or your heating if you've got like a hive or other items are available product placement that's quite good so some of it is good but I think there's a line isn't there where you think that's useful that's going to help but then sometimes they build in too many things that you just think I just want something that works I want something that's simple so it's a balance isn't it but it's having that dialogue yeah it's having it where you need it and not where you don't like I was at COP the climate change conference and they were giving away drinks bottles and the drinks bottles they were giving away had a little thermocouple in the top to tell you the temperature of the liquid that was inside. And I thought, well, this is a climate change conference now. Do we actually need the materials that it's taken to put that device in the lid? Whereas in the past, we've just taken the lid off and taken a sip. And if it's hot enough, then we drink it. <laughs> oh, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, are we just getting, just because we can do things, we don't have to. We, it's just a question of bringing in that mindset of what are the implications of these decisions that we make? And it's all through the design phase and the use phase and the repair phase and the recycling phase. It's having that thought process that says, now we need to think about something else that we haven't possibly thought about before around sustainability and climate change. So yeah, I think that's, sums up what I'm trying to do with my work in higher education yeah oh it's really exciting and now Dawn now I am going to ask you about something here and now you're going to be quite modest I know but you actually came up with the idea for Women in Engineering Day which is now International Women in Engineering Mm -hmm. Day and it's massive isn't it oh it's great it's really taken off and I'm really proud of the way it has continue 10 years I think it will be next year won't it yeah so 10 years in 2024 so yeah and it's still celebrated I see it around the world I do quite a lot of work internationally so I'm on the World Federation of Engineering Organizations WFEO and they've got a hundred international members and I do work with the International Federation of Engineering Education Societies they're all enormously long names these things these organizations are so they're a complete mouthful, but one's called WFEO and the other's called IFES and there's GEDC, there's a whole range of them. But if you get their comments, you just see that they're all celebrating it. And I'm really happy about that. And the thing that I'm always happiest about is when somebody says, oh, you know, did you know that there's a day for that? And I think that's really great because everybody has such ownership of it. And that was the real model, I think, to start with, that we all felt that we owned it like we do with International Women's Day that's our day so if you're an engineer it's our day so 
Yeah, that's right. Oh, it's fab. But I think when you get engineers working on things as well, I think it's really good. So we were at a meeting and I think you were organising a scoring system for, it was one of the countdowns of women in engineering. And you were organising the scoring system. But I love when you bring an engineer in because they apply engineering like a, a methodology. And it was so clever and everything just ran and it was smooth and it was... And it was great. And there was a system. And that's what you get when you bring engineers in to organize anything. Things just work really well. I've noticed this. Yeah, I suppose it's the logic, isn't it? It's a logical way of thinking. And what's thing to bring an engineer, get an engineer involved. Yeah. They run, yeah. they move things forward, they make things happen, and they bring that skill set, which you wouldn't have known. Yeah, that is the good thing, isn't it? And I think I've also been involved with the T level. So that's a way of really opening up and explaining more to young people what engineering is all about and I think those pathways in to allow people to see more because actually engineering applies to everything doesn't it engineering is a process it's getting from A to B how do you get to work in the morning well you're kind of engineering your process aren't you so it's a thought process it's not just a job really engineering is in finance and everywhere now isn't it i think we understand more that it is a systematic way of doing things i think when i'd started out i hadn't actually realized not being in the space myself but talking to a lot of engineers a lot of scientists a lot of mathematicians and tech as well i hadn't realized that the close interrelationship between all the stem disciplines and steam as well if you had arts into the mix as well but i don't think i'd fully under understood or appreciated all the crossover that exists so you've got space there's loads of maths in space there's loads of physics in space but the crossover I didn't know it was there no you're right and I think it, in education it gets lost because we separate and put boundaries between subjects don't we that one thing is physics one thing is chemistry but actually my degree was material science and material science is a great combination of maths physics chemistry not so much biology but from all of those different aspects coming together to allow you to make materials and that is like engineering stem subjects it brings them all together and one thing i've been trying to promote is some kind of science a level that instead of having the individual disciplines which when a level students have only got three to choose from and have got to choose one big subject like physics or chemistry or lots of people choose maths but if you could bring them together into a, a science A-level, it would be the most amazing A-level because you could just bring the best bits of all of those different disciplines into one space. And then you start to break down those boundaries and see how you can use. And you have to use because nature isn't segregated in that way, is it? Everything comes together when you're looking at natural solutions. So those discipline boundaries you put in the way are not real really and it's the same with the sciences but it's also the same with the engineering disciplines we could say well you're going to be a civil engineer or you're going to be an electrical engineer but these days systems engineering is such that we need teams of people who can bring in lots of different skills and it's good to have a specialization later on but at the start of your career it's actually good to have breadth of knowledge across different disciplines and I was chatting with Dr. Sophie Carr, who is involved in the maths space. So she runs a consultancy called Bayes Consulting. But I was asking her about the whole Rishi Sunak wanting to get people to keep studying maths for longer. And a lot of people are saying, we don't want to do that. I don't like maths. 
but it was interesting she was talking about core maths which i wasn't aware but where it's core maths is actually maths but it's relevant to the areas any discipline that you're in if you're in she i think she's talking about people who might be working in fashion cutting out patterns or it could be numeracy mm-hmm. so that's quite interesting with the maths point as well yeah because maths in the right context it's really relevant isn't it to all sorts of people's careers everybody's career and everybody's life it's not just your job it's all to do with your mortgage and your savings and working out the comparative cost and working out when you go down and buy your clothes and it says 20% off it's knowing how to work that out those are the simple things that we use all of the time and I think maths is a little bit stigmatized isn't it to be something that we think of as hard maths but actually contextualizing maths in life and in those different career disciplines my hairdresser was actually telling me about the amount of maths that is used in hairdressing to work out different quantities of different solutions for things is really pretty sophisticated and there's no getting away from the fact that that is maths but people can do that whereas they don't necessarily think of it as being maths but yeah so there's no way I would say I don't think it's a good idea that we carry on studying maths but yeah maybe you bring it all in together and have maths and science and some course that is just life skills and relevant and science skills and climate change and sustainability if we brought that all together then I think that would just be really interesting oh I think that's we could have a whole other podcast on that I think let's hold that thought let's keep talking about that for the future I think these subjects have always been really interesting when you start out but I think sometimes along the way things that the interest kind of tails off because of maybe sometimes because of the way it's presented not always we have some great teachers out there but I think all, all these subjects start out really fun like I remember like the start of maths like symmetry I used to love a bit of symmetry and shapes and stuff like that but then further down the line you sometimes lose that excitement but I'm just conscious I'm taking yeah. up time so I will call that bit of day there so I'm going to ask you now Dawn what is coming up next what are you looking forward to what are you excited about it can be in work it can be out of work it can be whatever you like yeah, so I was telling you before about this Electric Dreams project for 2024. I'm really excited about doing that. It's just got so many creative outlets to it that I'm looking forward to. But the other big thing in my life is I'm becoming Commonwealth Engineers Council President in October of this year, CEC, they're called Commonwealth Engineers Council. And it's a, an old engineering organisation that represents engineers in the Commonwealth, as you would expect. The opportunity there to work across the boundaries of the world with some of those countries that are at the most vulnerable to climate change and understanding their situation and seeing what we can do collaboratively and in partnership because the problems with climate change and sustainable solutions is that climate change is it's not restrained to any one part of the world it is a, a truly global problem that doesn't have boundaries So anything that you can do where you're working with people in different parts of the world to share solutions, to build capacity, to bring people knowledge and share knowledge. So we're in a position to understand what climate change looks like in different parts of the world. They're in a position to know what it looks like in our part of the world. And just to have the opportunities to get to know those people as well as their positions in the world. So... I think in education, there's good opportunity for partnerships with our universities to overseas universities. And then you start to see firsthand, because I think 
one of the problems I think we see in the UK is that our students don't necessarily have the visibility of what climate change looks like around the world. So using things like the Commonwealth Engineers Council to create those partnerships would be a really interesting way of making those things real, I think, to people. So that, you know what it's like when you hear something's happened somewhere else and actually, do you know what, I can't really do anything about that, that's a shame, but that's not here. Whereas if you know someone in that part of the world, it becomes much more real to you. And it's the same with our WFEO, World Federation of Engineering Organisations Committee. We have a really close committee of people from all around the world. And when something happens in any of those countries, we know the person that that's happening to. And then that all of a sudden becomes much more real. And I think with climate change, it has to be real to us. We have to be able to understand what that means. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's a two-year presidency and it starts in October. Amazing. Well, Dawn, would it be all right for us to keep in touch with you, follow your progress, anything we can do to help and support with any of the things that you're doing? We are here to help and signpost and support and link people up with what you're doing. But you've stayed in touch with us for this long. So can we stay in touch a bit longer? Would that be all right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's always great to chat to you and you do some fantastic work. I love what you do. So keep it up. Great to speak to you. I really appreciate it. So thank you so much, Dawn Bonfield. As Inesh Santos, our associate editor, is away at the moment, I'm bringing you the news stories and the written issue on her behalf. Dr Ozak Esu is a video host at Climate Now. Nigerian-born Ozak shares her motivation to come to the UK to affect positive societal change by helping more people get access to cleaner electricity around the world. Now based in Switzerland, Ozak is working on a global stage and shares her plans for International Women in Engineering Day and beyond. Holly Yeomans is Principal Powertrain Lead at McLaren Automotive. A lifelong motor enthusiast, at school, Holly was discouraged from following her engineering dream. But even bad advice couldn't deter her and she soon realised that cars were her calling. Fast forward to today, she's working in her dream role at McLaren. She's determined to show other girls that there's absolutely a place for them in the supercar space. And finally, Tanda Kabanda is a senior back-end engineer who works in the point-of-sale team at Selfridges. Despite being told that she wasn't technical enough in her early career, she didn't let this deter her and her confidence was boosted when she pursued an internship in China. She then secured a graduate role at ASOS before moving to Selfridges where she's based now. She also features in an exhibition in the new Engineers Gallery at the Science Museum in London, which opens on International Women in Engineering Day on the 23rd of June, so she gives us an advanced preview of what we can expect. Do check out our website, womanthology.co.uk, to read the full stories. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share the link to the show on social media or also follow the show. Your feedback is really important, so please do rate and review the show in your podcast app. Join us in the next episode and written issue where we will be joined by women working in robotics and artificial intelligence, a hot topic if ever there was one. 